As you mentioned yesterday, the uh, advantage, if you can call it, of Tisha B'Av being on a Sunday is that no one should be in a rush to go anywhere. And we should be trying to say kinis as close to chatzos as uh, possible because the Hesach uh, on Tisha B'Av is an Isser and uh, certainly uh, before chatzos when there's no mention of any uh, Nechama, uh, the Chiyuv uh, is to focus on the Avelis if you can't keep up with the Tzibur and you're in the middle of a of Kino, just listen to where we're holding, but you don't have to skip to it. Uh, the main thing is to understand and to focus on what we're saying. I will be, um, as I've done in previous years, speaking before selected Kinnis. Uh, the most difficult part of the Avelis uh, is the fact that we're uh, 2,000 years forward and it's uh, very difficult to uh, feel the impact of the Churban, the way they felt at the time of the Churban. Uh, I saw a very interesting Misa. Somebody wrote up, it was a personal experience of his, that he was teaching Ethiopian children not that long ago when they came uh, to Eretz Yisrael. And it was before Pesach. And uh, he mentioned uh, the Korban Pesach and about the Avaida and the Besamitish. And one of the children raised their hands. These are people right off the plane. And he said, uh, Teacher, uh, can you please tell us what it was like when you were there? And he uh, smiled and he said, uh, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't there, but it was... Uh, so a bit confused and he was, thought it was amusing. How old do they think I am? So uh, he said, already the uh, Besamitish hasn't been around for a while. So he said, well, did you hear from your father what it's about? Can you tell us some stories? So it's a serious question from a young adult. And he said, uh, my father didn't see it, my grandfather didn't see it, my great-grandfather didn't see it. And it was uh, destroyed thousands of years ago. And uh, there was a tumult in the class in their language, which he didn't really understand. But they seemed to be very confused, and they were talking and arguing. And uh, it got so bad he couldn't get the class under control, and he dismissed them, going home, scratching his head what exactly the issue was. And he came to school the next day, where they had this uh, compound where they lived, Merkaz Klita. And as he was nearing the gate, the guard came over to him and said, uh, is there uh, something going on? Did something happen yesterday? So he said, well, what's the problem? They're forgetting already the whole incident from yesterday. And he said, if you look over there, there's a group of about 50 angry parents. And I was wondering uh, if something happened yesterday with one of the kids. Couldn't figure out what it was. He came in and um, the spokesman came over to him and they said, uh, are you the teacher of my, uh, my children? So he was the only teacher there. He said, yes. And um, he said to him in a very angry way, he says, what is this, uh, he used the word stupidity, uh, the falsehood, the sheker that you told our children yesterday, the Besamitish was destroyed. So how can you say I never heard something so ridiculous in my life, the older uh, Ethiopian said. So he starts thinking to himself, this is completely out of hand. And he said, uh, I, I told him that yesterday and it's true destroyed a couple thousand years ago and the man kept pressing getting very very agitated he said I never heard such a thing this is absolutely insane whoever heard of such ridiculous things he says are you a religious Jew he says of course I'm a religious Jew he says it's not here anymore and he kept repeating it and it started sinking in and the man turned around to the crowd to explain to them in their language what he had said and they started looking at each other and the women started crying hysterically and the men broke down and there was a tremendous, tremendous Rosh Godel they just heard this news they were in Ethiopia for a couple thousand years or more they just heard the news of the Kharban and he said he never saw such a scene in his life it was mamish like Mesa Mutalufanov and they were screaming and crying and wailing and uh, there were people who, there were a couple of women who fainted. 
And he looked at the scene and he realized that uh, there's something wrong with him. Here he goes every Tisha B'Av. Okay, this is every Pesach. He goes every Tisha B'Av and he sits down to Kinnis and it's business as usual. He's sitting in a comfortable air-conditioned shul and uh, he's thinking about what's coming in the week ahead and he's reading the Kinnis and it doesn't make much of a Roshim. And it's difficult. It doesn't make much of a Roshim because you've heard it a couple thousand times. Uh, the reason why Chazal put this package together uh, each kinna is worse than the next. You read, if you understand what you're saying, at the atrocities and the uh, torture and the uh, starvation and the, and the gullus and all the things that are described by the Chorben Rishon, Chorben Shani and uh, Inquisition and Tachvatat and all the kinnas that were put together, it's supposed to one day or at least make it real that this is something that happened. It's something that should be fresh in our mind at least one day a year. And it's something that continues to happen, if not to the same degree, although we're only uh, half a century from the Holocaust, a bit more. But he was amazed. He says it never left him. And since that time, every Tisha B'Av is different because the sudden impact of realizing that, hey, we're without a base of we don't have the Kedusha, we don't have the Kabbanas, and it's real. And it took him 10-20 minutes to explain to the parents that the, he's telling the truth, and it had to sink in. And it came as quite a shock. So one day a year, we have to look at it, Kilu, we just came from there, and it's a shock. And the kin is supposed to give us this realization of what we're missing, and all the other misfortunes that came, came from the Chorban Abayas. They're not independent misfortunes, not independent persecutions, not an independent pogrom. It all comes from the condition of Gullus. And that's the uh, focus of the Kinnis. And again, we should uh, be concentrating on this and going at our pace. This next uh, Kinna is uh, probably the most famous and most important of all of them. It actually starts with the line of the Akani Yemiel Yeshio, which is the last line of the Kinnah before uh, the story is uh, well known that uh, Yeshio Amelech, as the Kinnah says, became a Baal Truva at the age of eight. Uh, he was Menashe's grandson, so uh, certainly didn't give him a head start. And he not only did Truva himself, but he caused a mass Truva movement in Klai Yisrael uh, to the extent that he was pretty convinced that he actually eradicated Yevodazar from Eretz Yisrael. And when the Melech Mitzrayim told him that he wanted to pass through Eretz Yisrael to go fight in the north, he wasn't fighting against Eretz Yisrael. He told him that. He said, I'm not coming to fight against you. I'm just on my way. So Yeshua Melech felt, erroneously, felt that he should deserve the protection of the Pusik, the promise of the Pusik from HaKadosh Baruch Hu of Cherv Layav Rabatzachem. That not only won't there be a battle against the Yidden, there won't even be a sword going through Eretz Yisrael, which is dangerous unto itself. And he felt that we're on the Madrega now. We weren't before, but now we did Shuva. Nobody's doing Avodah Zarah. And he told him no. And the Melech Mitzrayim again said, I'm not coming to fight you, I'm just passing through. And he said no. And the Navi came to tell him that he should let him through. Because the Madrega is not as high as you think it is. And uh, here was the fateful mistake. This was the beginning of the end of the Chorban, even though we're many years in the Chorban. Uh, he tells the Navi... Yermio, that uh, there's a machlik as you and Moshe Rabbeinu, and uh, Moshe Rabbeinu promises in the Pasuk, Hashem promises, so how can you say that he shouldn't pass through? Now the kasha on this story, we know Yermio was right, and Melchizedek was wrong, and as he got killed in battle, Melch Mitzrayim came and said, now I'm coming to fight you as well, and he met him in battle, and he lost, and he got killed. And as he was dying at the end of the kinah, he's made the that the Navi was right and he was wrong. Now, it's kind of obvious to us, of course the Navi's right and he's wrong. So the, uh, the problem over here was that, uh, and there are many reasons to explain this, why didn't the Navi just tell him that you're wrong and that there are people doing a Vodazar behind the doors and they had these folding doors and the guards came in to search and destroy and every time they came into one of the houses of Rishayim they kicked the doors in and the Vodazar was hidden behind the door. So you can't see that. If they hide it, they hide it. So why didn't the Navi tell him? Navi's a Navi. So why didn't the Navi tell him, Your Highness, uh, I wish it was so, but it's not true. And there are still enough people. It could be 1%, could be half a percentile, but there are still people doing Avodah Zarah, and therefore you're not Zechit to the promise of Chev Aliyah Why didn't he tell him? So there are a couple of possible Mahalchim. One Mahalach is that he knew and he didn't tell him because that was part of the Nisayan. Are you going to listen to the Navi? Are you going to have a Munas Chacham, a Munas in the, in, the, in the Navi, and the Gadol Ador or not? 
And if you don't, then part of the Nisayan, I don't have Rishus to tell you. Or, uh, both are possible, or the Navi himself didn't know. A Navi only knows that Hashem tells him. He gets a Navua for information, then he knows it. Navi doesn't know everything you're thinking about looking at you necessarily. So it could be the Navi himself didn't know. And the information was withheld from him in order to bring up bring about this Nisayan and ultimately uh, to bring about the Korban. And the Navi, as much as he knows, as much as he can give Musa in Yemiyo, a Navi gave all the Musa in the world, didn't help. Uh, he's not necessarily privy to the facts of what's going to trigger it and when it's going to happen. And therein lies the difficulty uh, when you, when a nation is, even if it's not all of so when there are various being done, it causes a pollution of the atmosphere that clouds the perception of even the greatest Navi of the Dar. He doesn't necessarily have the information. And we're living with this now. We haven't had Navim for thousands of years. And we're used to uh, situations of doubt and indecision. But that's part of the Gullah's condition. And uh, the fact that we're used to it and we say, what can we do? We're in Gullah's doesn't make it a whole lot easier. I was... Um, as in Israel recently, I got into uh, a, a cab, and the uh, the driver tells me the nice news. Me kamchi Israel, I had daven nates, and I caught the cab right afterwards. I got in, and I said, uh, "Did you daven yet?" He wasn't wearing yarmulke, and I didn't look very firm. So he got all insulted. He said, "What do you mean did I daven yet? I daven nates every morning." He picks up his hand and shows me the tefillin marks. Me kamchi Israel. He's already at work after uh, after nates. He says, "I finished davening. I get in the cab and." Um, he was interested in telling me about his uh, his Mahalachayim, which was quite impressive. Then he tells me that um, it's uh, he asked me if I'm here for a visit. Do I live here? So I said, no, I'm just here for a visit. So he said, I uh, hope you come again soon. He said, whatever you do, don't come after September. So I said, why shouldn't I come after September? And he was very agitated about it. He says, you, you, you welcome back anytime. We hope to see you back. Just uh, September, October, beginning of November, don't come. Come afterwards. I said, uh, I didn't have any plans, but uh, why not? He said, there's going to be a war, and uh, it's not safe. And if you live here, you live here, but otherwise don't come back. It's going to be very scary. So he's not a Navi, and he's not a Ben Navi, and it wasn't a Leo a Navi. Um, but he was convinced that there's going to be a war. There are a lot of people in the State Department are convinced of the same thing as well. Uh, the Pachat is... As much as the pachad is in an actual mechama, the pachad is nobody really knows if there'll be a mechama, when there'll be a mechama, and everybody for the past uh, few years have been sitting at the edge of their seat with this pachad looming that there's somebody who wants to obliterate Klai Yisrael, and there's always somebody in every generation, and that nobody exactly knows what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, what we can do to avert it. When you had a Navi before the beginning of the Chorban, uh, the Navi would tell you, this is the Avera, this is what you got to fix up, this is what you got to do tshuva for, fix it up and you'll be fine. What shows this Misa with the Yeshua Melech as the beginning of the Chorban, even though it's not going to happen for many years, is the fact that the, the Navi Adar came to him and warned him, let him through, but he didn't tell him the crucial piece of information that make the Nisayan easier. And we don't, that's the problem, we've been for a long time without any information, so we don't know, we know there's a danger looming, a very serious one, we don't know when, we don't know how, we don't know if, we don't, we, we don't know anything. And that's part of the pachad. Chaznish remarked, after the news from the Chorban Europe came to Yisrael, Chaznish, who uh, in a rare glimpse into understanding what the Chaznish normally knew, he made a remark under his breath as he was in such pain hearing the news that uh, millions of people were killed. He uh, said a remark over and over again to himself that uh, they withheld it from me. Which tells you that Chaznish uh, normally had a type of Ruach HaKadosh that he would understand things were going on. And um, he was shocked that Mishamayim, they withheld it from him and that he didn't have any inkling. Not that they withheld the information, the reporter didn't tell him the news. That he didn't have an understanding of what was going on there and he understood that they withheld it from him because... The Chaznish would daven, perhaps the problem would go away, and they didn't want him to daven. So you have cases like that. It wasn't just the Chaznish. It was clear that as the Chorim was about to happen, many people who normally have great insight, the insights were withheld from them. And that is a simon of Golis and a simon of a Chorim that's pending. The famous Misa, they tell over about 
the philosopher that met Yirmiyo Anavi after the Khurban and asked him why he was crying, why he continued to cry. He says, Rabbi, it's, it's only a building and it's gone. No reason to uh, cry over spilled milk, Aviyahu. So why, uh, why are you continuing to mourn? And Yirmiyo told him that uh, if you have any philosophical knotty issues that you haven't been able to solve, please uh, ask me, I'll uh, give you the answer. And he sat for hours going over all the famous philosophical questions, and Yirmiyo answered everything, and he said, my entire chachma, all the insights that I have, come from that bias that was just destroyed. And now that it's gone, the Chachma will slowly leave, the inspiration will slowly leave, the insights will leave, we won't have it. And that's why I'm crying. So when you talk about a Chorban, it's not just the Kabbanas, which is enough to cry about. It's not just the Aveda, it's not just the Makam It's the fact that the Makar HaChachma, the Makar of decision-making, the Makar of, of any insight into a situation, how to get out of it, comes from... Harabayas, constantly based on Mittish, constantly Kedusha, constantly Aveda. And we've been without it for so many years. We're used to having a situation where it's come out impossible to know what to do, and uh, we shouldn't be so used to it. That's why we have to dive in harder. The um, next two kinnis, Yud Zion, is the, probably the most graphic of all the kinnis. The Chananoshim Piriyam Ole Tipuchim, the Vashananoshim Achmani Yetiladim Mududim Tfachim Tfachim. Cannibalism is not uh, is not part, not even on the radar screen for us. We can't imagine such a such a massive of starvation. But uh, the Navi is made that uh, it did happen. And in this kina is a very vivid description of many of the uh, atrocities inflicted upon children among others and the most telling parts of the kingdom if you look at the end of Yudzayim the last paragraph Hashem's response this is not uh, you should never really try explaining the Holocaust again the, the most uh, vivid in our memory because it's the most recent Never try explaining to somebody who's not from, and you don't probably want to have much success explaining it to somebody who is from. Somebody who's not from can't even begin to understand the basics, and can't blame them, of Schar Even as from people, we don't normally equate what we're reading in here as the Anshim to the final paragraph, which is the answer. The answer, meet inside the last paragraph, Ruach HaKadosh Lamula Marim. So Hashem gives his response. So why this happened? What's happening to you? You're screaming about it and you're letting me know. However, but the various you did, you don't want to talk about. So you only want to talk about the results. You don't want to talk about what caused them. You talk about the terrible, terrible incident. How can mothers be eating their children? But you want to sweep under the carpet the fact that the Navi, while he's giving Musr, is killed in cold blood in the base of Mikdash. So what the Kinnah is telling us is that, uh, again, we can't, you can't put your hands around it, you can't wrap your hands around it. Only because we don't fully understand the damage that Averis do. So if you don't understand the damage that Averis do, so what can be so bad that can result in Noshim eating their children. What Avera can be so bad? The answer is we're, we don't understand it now. We're not going to understand. That's part of the problem. What an Avera is and what the damage is and what the damage is to the world, what the damage is to Klai Yisrael, what the damage is to the atmosphere, what the damage is to Tsar Hashchina. So we have a, a gap even if it's from people. If you're not from, you don't understand what Navayra is in the first place. There's nothing to discuss. You, you can't even bother explaining it. Whatever you're going to say is going to fall on deaf ears. But as from B'nai Teira, you have to at least intellectually understand the, the uh, Python over here is not afraid to put it down. He sets up the worst of the worst in terms of graphic descriptions. At the end, says that the Ruach Hashem answers that this is because of your Averis. And if you want an explanation about the Einish, you have to begin to discuss the Averis.
If you're not willing to discuss the Averis, you're not willing to understand what Averis do, then you're not going to understand why the Enish came. And as kinners go, this is uh, probably the answer and the response to the Chorban and every single Chorban that happened afterwards. As uh, ill-prepared we are to emotionally connect them and understand it. That's because we don't really fathom, and perhaps as a Basavadam it's hard to fathom, what the depths of a damage in the uh, Bria of an Avera, collective Averas are. But that's what this kinna is putting together. Hashem says, you can't come to me and scream out, where's the justice, when you're not willing to deal with what caused this. Uh, similarly, in Yudches, quotes Klai Yisrael complaining about, Marta, You promise Yaakovinu and Klai Yisrael that Hashem is going to always protect us in Avrachamim. Yet, v'neflinu ani v'amach, we have fallen. Lama b'nei b'liyal chilu shemach v'lo shavachta lehem z'amach. Why don't we see the Nazis getting struck by lightning? That we saw it afterwards, we saw the downfall. And uh, we saw what happens to those who, uh, who uh, touch Klai Yisrael. But we didn't see the full uh, justice being meted out. I mean, you look at uh, West Germany today, they look like they're doing uh, quite well. Okay, right after the war, they uh, were deservingly in a, one can claim, a pitiful state. But uh, we're not satisfied. We shouldn't be satisfied with that. The Yama, Dina, there'll be justice yet. But the Python here is telling us that uh, we're registering a complaint. We have promises and promises and promises of protection. Where's the protection and why aren't those Rishayim getting it over the head? And again, the response is that uh, the good news is they will get it eventually. The bad news temporarily is until there's a tikkun for what it came for, uh, you're not going to see the full Yeshua Hashem, and that's part of the Avelis uh, of Tishabov. If you, um, I think I mentioned this last year, two years ago, Yaakov, you brought some of your. Uh, this afternoon, you're looking for materials, so uh, the Holocaust touches us the most because it's the most fresh in our mind, and we still have people amongst us who uh, live through it. Um, Yaakov has an excellent uh, looking back the hidden hand one of the parts uh, that amazed me is the uh, I don't know which one you have it in but uh, about how Hitler Yamach Shemoy escaped by the skin of his teeth countless times where he was almost killed Kilu Hashem not Kilu Hashem was saving him up to be the uh, punishing rod he took it uh, as a different message unfortunately but that's what this kin is all about L'Shafachta Lehem Zamach Shem, you didn't strike them dead. You didn't kill them when they deserved it, or better yet, before they uh, were able to carry out what they were going to carry out. And we can't understand there's a difference between not punishing the wicked right away versus saving them time and time again. It's all the same. The Chorban at its worst, Hashem will not only not strike them dead, Hashem will empower them, Hashem will give them the Kayach, Hashem will take away their free will to do what is necessary to bring that punishment, unfortunately, upon Klai Yisrael. And uh, it's not understood at the time, and it's hard for us to understand uh, 60 years later. But um, this is the day where we have to... Um, nobody likes reading about it, but this, if you're going to read about it, this is the day. I took the opportunity... Um, I was visiting my, my grandmother a few nights ago. She just got up from Shiva. My daughter was with me. And um, it was right before Shabbos, this Thursday night. And um, she came in, she had not seen, my daughter's a Kala, she had not seen uh, her engagement ring. Because my grandfather was in the hospital already from Pesach, and she didn't see anything. So she was standing there, and she, uh, she said, oh, let me see. She took a look at it. And she told me, this is, uh, you know, you, you can't, if you read this in a book, it doesn't have the same effect. She told me that, um, she asked me, I'd rather, did, did I ever hear about her engagement ring? So I said, no, I didn't recall hearing the story. She said, well, we got married in Austria after Hitler came in already. There were 10 people in the living room, the curtains were drawn. And we were leaving after Shavarbrochus. And um, she said engagement rings were not in the cards. She said, I kid you not, she said, I got an umbrella for my engagement. Because that was the only thing we were allowed to bring on the train. 
It's a, you hear something like that, it gives a new uh, focus on life. We're worried about how big the ring is. We're so spoiled, it's unbelievable. We're worried about how big the ring is and what the size diamond is, and people are hocking uh, bigger and smaller, and uh, they're upset. They didn't give me this, they should have given me that. Try an umbrella. And she said when she was leaving, she had her grandmother's leichter, and she paid $50, which is a fortune of money, to a Swiss diplomat to smuggle it in his diplomatic pouch into Switzerland and then to mail it to London. She, she and my grandfather, Lola Shalom, were the last, one of the last people out of Austria. And they didn't bring anything with them, but the leichter was the only thing, so he put there two, we still have them, two little candlesticks, bent, out of shape, looked like they'd been through a war or two. They were taken from Poland in World War One to Austria. And for a fee, he smuggled it out, the diplomatic pouch. He can't open it up, so he can walk across the border. And he got to Switzerland, and then he mailed them to London. And she got a letter in the mail from the postmaster in London a few months later that something arrived, come pick it up. And she came, by then it was out of the box, not to look at it, it went through customs. And uh, my grandmother, a young, uh, young wife, at that point, uh, came to pick them up. And uh, the uh, lady behind the counter told her, she said, I am so happy for you that you got this away from Hitler. It's, you know, the British were um, certainly sympathetic to the cause. And uh, she told her, she said, um, yeah, it doesn't really help much because my parents are still there and they're not getting out. And they never got out. So uh, when you have a situation where you have people, uh, there are a lot of young people in the room, I don't know how many people have grandparents that still went through the Holocaust or just barely escaped, but um, we don't, again, emotionally, it's hard to understand. You have somebody who... uh, and the people who escaped are people we're still talking to, obviously. But uh, a young Kala to leave and say goodbye to her parents, uh, knowing that uh, she's never going to see them again in all probability, which is what happened. And uh, to be able to uh, deal with going through a chasana process without any of the trappings of the chasana, not an engagement, not a chasana, not, um, I asked her what was going on in the living room. She said there wasn't any dancing, wasn't any singing. We said the brachas, and everybody ran home. And, uh, and, and nobody in that living room was ever seen again. So when you, uh, when you hear about this firsthand, so again, the immediate reaction is, uh, how does a young Kala survive that, go on to build a family? And how do you survive it emotionally and intellectually? Emotionally, I think the answer is you don't think about it too much, except for on Tisha B'Av. Or before Tisha B'Av. Intellectually, the answer again is found in the, in the Kinnah by the Python. Was it uh, a young Kala's fault that the Chorban was happening? Was it a young child's fault the child was getting eaten? No. Not necessarily. But the Python is introducing, based on Chazal, is introducing us to a concept that Klai Yisrael, Klai Yisrael, and we're responsible for our errors that are done by parents, by siblings, by friends, by former generations. We read a few kinnas back that uh, our forefathers aren't here anymore and they did the Averis and we're suffering. That's not a stira in Hashkafa. Averis not only goes across to living people, Averis also goes collectively for multi-generations. Hashem is keler achapayim. Hashem will wait for Klai Yisrael to come back. Hashem will wait and wait and wait. A Holocaust doesn't happen because of Averis of one generation. It happens as it piles up and Hashem waits for an uptick, Hashem waits for people to do tshuva and it doesn't happen and it's getting worse and worse, then it falls. And you have to understand that in the context of the Chorba, in the context of the Holocaust, in the context of everything else in between. If we're trying to figure out how one person can be responsible, it's not one person, it's not a thousand people, it's not a million, it's not one generation. It's multifaceted, many, many generations involved. And when the Navi ends up saying that the generation of the Chorban is responsible for the blood that's boiling of Zechariah Navi, they didn't kill him. They weren't there. So why are they responsible? The answer is there was a way to fix it up. There was a way to face up to it. There was a way to deal with it. And it wasn't dealt with. And because of that, that tikkun wasn't made, then when the Midas Adin finally kicked in, unfortunately, it ended up the generation that was there had to pay and they had to bear the brunt of it. Chafalaf and... Uh,
Chav Beis, well, again, among the most tragic of the Kinnis, Chafal uh, deals of the Asaru Gemalchus, which we uh, read about twice a year, Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur. And Chav Beis deals with Yidin who actually killed themselves, normally in Avera, but over here they killed themselves due to the Pachad, that maybe they would have to be forced to be Ebed of Arazara and they wouldn't be able to withstand the Nisayan. The, if you could say, the uh, positive silver lining of both is the backdrop, and that is that the Goyim, who came certainly understood what uh, Yiddishkeit was all about and used to try to use their Kayach to destroy the, uh, if I call the battery pack of Yiddishkeit. Uh, they couldn't understand after Chorim Bayesheni how Klaisel came back a mere 70 years later and started revolting under Barakaychva. So how does a nation keep rebounding like this? We, we destroy them down to the smallest component parts and then a couple of generations later they're back uh, as strong as ever. So they originally made the mistake of misunderstanding this Kayach to just be a stubbornness that they're uh, physically strong and they're warlike people. The exact opposite. We're not particularly physically strong. We're certainly not warlike people. Uh, the reason why we had to fight back by Barakaychva similar to the Hashmanaim, is because our religious freedoms are being threatened again and they had no choice but to revolt and Barakaychva's revolt was actually supported initially by Rebekiva who held he had the potential even to be the Melech Mashiach. and the only reason it went wrong, well two reasons, one is it went to his head so he went off and obviously we weren't Zeichah so the time wasn't right or else he would have had more Siyat to Deshmaya and the Romans then realized that the Kayach of Klayasol comes from their leadership, from their Torah, from the giving over of the Messiah, from their Dictus the Mitzvahs, and they turned from their usual method of uh, search and destroy and burn, which they did to all the other nations they conquered, and here they started point, pinpointing the uh, source of the Kayach, and that is the Gedali Adar and the smicha, the handing over of the maser from each generation to the next one and part of the gzair was anybody who gets smicha will be killed, anybody who gets smicha will be killed, any city where the smicha is happening will be destroyed and they felt if they cut this off and they stop Yidin from learning and teaching then Klai Yisrael will cease to exist the bad news is, is that the Rahman Laslan, if they would have accomplished that they would have been right Akayach is in the mitzvahs and the Torah. The good news is that Hashem has a promise that He will never break, and that is that Layamushu Mepicha Mepizaracha Torah will always be here. And even if you take all the Asarug Malchus and all the Gedalei Adar and kill them, there will always be some who are going into hiding. There will be young ones who will be trained in hiding and will come out and reemerge as the new Gedalei Adar, and Torah will not disappear. That is the silver lining of this next horrific kina of the torture and uh, brutal murder of the Gedeli Adar, all of which are household names for anybody who's learning Gemara, anybody who has Shaykhs to Jewish history, Rabbi Kiva Chaverov. And again, the good news is, is that the Roman plan didn't work. We're still here, we're still learning, we're still teaching. And part of the success, not only the leadership and the ability to be Mason efforts to give over the Messiah, but an equal partner in this success is the rank and file of Klai Yisrael, who are here to receive the Messiah. The average Pashat Ayid, they don't really exist, they're not Pashat, they were willing to kill themselves in the next uh, Kinnah, after Sarah uh, Gemalchus and Chav Beis. They were willing to kill themselves just in the Chashash that they might not be Ayyid bin Isayan. Halakhically, whether that was correct or incorrect, uh, not Nagaya. If they did it, they must an effort for it, and Shemayim the getting the full schar. And the uh, kinna that we have for the uh, tragedy at the uh, Tower of York is the same Misa, where there were two Rabbanim there, and that whether to kill the children rather than have them fall into the hands of the Christian church. That's a more complicated Shiloh, because the kids are under Bar Mitzvah, and Achayev, and uh, getting killed by Kiddush Hashem. So that was a, a more complicated Shiloh. But the next bit talks about adults, 
who committed suicide rather than be faced with the Nisayan of being forced to do Avodah and other Averis. And to that, the Gemara and Gittin already gives the Haskama, the children with the, the boys and girls, Shiloh with the and Katanim, uh, jumped off the boat rather than face a life of immorality in Rome. They knew what was coming. And the Gemara seems to give its Haskama. So here you see the two reasons why, despite all the plan to eradicate Yiddishkeit, it didn't work because through the credit of the leadership and the rank and file, also understanding all the Pasha the Yidin who understood that without the Ruchniyas life is not worth living. Without Torah Mitzvahs we cease to exist. So even though these next two kinnas are very difficult to read, at least the uh, small Nechama is that the kinnas are being read by people thousands of years later who are still here to testify that the uh, Mesiris Nefesh worked. Laman Aleph is a contrast in the potential versus what happened Lamaisa. The contrast being used is Betzesi Mitzrayim, Chayisol leaving, being chosen as the Amanifcher, and all the potential that they had going into Yisrael, and then Betzesi Mishalayim being forced out in the Golas, both by Yitzvishan and by Yisheni. Only in Yiddishkeit can you have a day like Tishabov where it's the uh, peak of uh, sorrow and tragedy. And yet it's called the Ma'id. And because of that we have a Remez, there's no Tachanun. Uh, the Mazpes can bring down an oval Davins before the Amud, but the Yaakov Emden says even that, maybe it's a Shtikl Ma'id, maybe the Oval shouldn't Davin. Akedei Kach. And uh, the Pasuk says, Kirulai Ma'id, Lishbar That's the Remez, that it's a Ma'id. Ma'id means an appointed time. But Chazal understood that whenever you have a day that has potential for disaster the Bechia of Chinam and the Dar Maraglim, the Dar Midbar became a Bechila Deiris but you have to question Akash Baruch Hu, Rashi brings down sort of rushed the Maraglim back to the Midbar, out of Eretz Yisrael they only stayed 40 days Akash Baruch Hu knew that it would be one day, one year per day and Hashem didn't want to make it longer than necessary but you have to wonder, so if um, Tisha B'Av is a day that's miyuchel leparanius, so you would think that they shouldn't come back on Tisha B'Av. You'll say, well, it's only a day miyuchel from that day on. That's uh, not really the case. Everything was miyuchel, mishesh, meberashis, and uh, if there's a day that's miyuchel, then have them come back a day before, have them come back a day after. Why have them come back on Tisha B'Av? The answer is that the day is called a Ma'id because it's a day with tremendous, tremendous potential. And my assumption is that Kodesh Baruch Hu wanted the Meraglim Dafka to get back on Tisha B'av because that day has extra potential of extra Siyat Deshmaya. And even though their intent was to speak Lashon Hara, perhaps they will lose the argument with Yeshua and Kalei, perhaps Kalei Yisrael won't listen to them, perhaps they won't want to go back to Mitzrayim, perhaps they won't be Makabal Lashon Hara, and will have extra Siyat Deshmaya. It didn't work out that way, and then the potential of the day became its uh, biggest liability. So the day is very strong in some shifa. The question is, what direction is it going? And that's why, uh, only with this, we can understand why the Mashiach is born on Tisha B'Av. Why it's a potential day of uh, Gula more than other days. Because the day has a special kayach. It's a special day. The question is, is specialty and tragedy, or specialty and potential? And that is the point of this particular kinna. Not just to show what could have been nostalgia, looking back, what we could have done. It's the fact that there's a message here that the day still has that potential. And uh, we have to learn from the tragedy to use it to turn it around. There's a medrash, fascinating medrash, Rabbi Kiva, was uh, on a regular weekday, was about to give shear, and the Talmudim came in as usual, and they saw that he was crying in the corner, and they figured, Mia Dea Mai must have, uh, must be, he's an Avelis, he lost a loved one. What happened over here is they all went home, they left and put on black, which is always a symbol of Avelis, and they came back and they sat down. And uh, Rabbi Kiva looked up and he noticed a strange scene. And he asked his Talmudim, what's going on? Why are you dressed in black? And why is everybody whispering? And what's going on? And why are we starting sheer? 
And they said, Rebbe, we came in before, you were crying, and you were in the corner, you would look so depressed, and uh, we thought maybe uh, somebody died, so we came uh, an appropriate dress. Rabbi Kiva told them, this is our medrash. Rabbi Kiva told them, no, I was just uh, learning Mishnayas Nagam and Eulis, which Rabbi Kiva was, uh, his specialty was everything, but he was known to learn the hardest sugyas and shas. And while I was learning Nagayim, I remembered Gechazi and his three sons. It's only Rabbi Kiva can uh, think like this. Gechazi and his three sons. We know from the Avtera, Gechazi uh, was uh, a person of tremendous, tremendous potential. He was the assistant to the Navi. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't work on himself. And he had a taiva for covet and for money. And he went after the tremendous Kiddush Hashem was made with Naaman. He went after him and he uh, asked him for some money. He said, my Rebbe changed his mind, which ended up being a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. And when he got back, he forgot his Rebbe was a Navi momentarily. As, uh, and he saw what had transpired through Nevuah. And he said, if you want uh, Naaman's money, you could take the rest of his assets also, like his Saras. And from that point on, it became Mitzvah, him and his three sons who were accomplices in the crime what buried the treasure, and the famous Haftarah about the Abba Mitzvah Bamachana was Gechazi and his three sons. And Rabbi Kiva, while learning Mishnayis Nagayim, started thinking about the famous Tzarua of all times, the most famous of all times, that Miriam had it, but only for a very short while. Uh, Pashas of the Navi is Gechazi, never got rid of it. And he started crying hysterically about the downfall of Gechazi. What's shot in that medrash? Why to cry about downfall? Why Gechazi? The answer is, you look in the first mission of Chelik, which we're learning Sunday morning. It picks just a few people, a very small list of people who lost Elam Haba. We know, unfortunately, the list of people who lost Elam Haba is very long, too long. Why were these people picked? What's the specialty of Yerav Menavat? What's the specialty of a of a, of a gechazi? What specialty are these people? What's uh, what's their yichus? The answer is, Rabbi Kiva understood these people had tremendous, tremendous potential. Very gifted people, very brilliant, potential leaders of Klai Yisrael, and they lost it all because they didn't work on their midas. And Rabbi Kiva felt that was reason enough to come out and look like he's sitting shiva and cry because of lost potential. And that's what this kinah is all about. But Seisi Mitzrayim, Mtuka, Bekirbi, Balesi, Alibi, we have a, a fire, a brand. We left Mitzrayim with such simcha and shus, such potential. And everything was lost because the potential was not utilized. So this piyut uh, is a. It speaks to the national conscience, but it speaks to individuals also. Rabbi Kiva saw fit to teach his Talmidim that uh, when an individual doesn't live up to their potential, when there's tremendous lost potential, it's a uh, reason to have Avelis even thousands of years later by a Gadol Yisrael who's learning a sugi that has really nothing much to do with Gechazi, aside from the fact that the Mishnah happens to be talking about Saras. But he took it as an opportunity to understand that the biggest tragedy in life is lost potential, and that's what this kinah is all about. In Lamed Vav, this uh, particular kina was written by Rabbi Hidal Levi, who legend uh, has it, um, when he finally moved to Yisrael, he fell down in front of the uh, Kaisal and was trampled by uh, an Arab who didn't uh, appreciate him being there or his religious fervor. He spent his whole life beforehand in uh, Spain, and the most beautiful writings that we have about uh, Tzion and about Eretz Yisrael and about a, uh, a Yid's focus, what's supposed to be his focus on Eretz Yisrael and caring about Eretz Yisrael and understanding that he's still in Gullus. Some of the finest uh, poems were penned by Rabbi Levi. It starts, Tzion ala tishali l'shlama sirayach. It's asking Tzion, it's asking uh, but representing uh, Kedusha Seret Yisrael that Sion should ask more, should worry more, should show concern for those captives in Gullus. 
Those who are being derish the shalom of Tzion are now stuck in Golis. And so to speak, Tzion should defend them and bring them from the Golis back to Yisrael. In order for this to work, in order for us, especially uh, us in it's uh, people in Yisrael today are still in Golis, but at least they're in Yisrael. So for us who are physically and spiritually in Golis here in America, in order for us to have the schus of Tzion being derish, our protection, we have to be derish Tzion. And being derish Tzion is a, uh, I can't even call it a mitzvah rabbit, it's more than that. It's, it's central to our entire Aveda. What's sad is that we daven all year round three times a day. And if you haven't noticed, I'm sure you have, most of our davening is about Yushalayim, about Golas and Gula issues, about Gula, about the Mashiach, Hesamach David. Unfortunately, it's in the Parash Monesra in the latter part where we already finished with our private Bakashas of Slicha and Parnassah and Rafua, and we're sort of petering out by then. It shouldn't be that way. And uh, this kina is portraying Klai Yisrael asking Tzion for help. Tzion will give help when we are derish Tzion. It's actually a Mechaber in Simon Aleph. This is uh, surprising. Mechaber brings down things Allah Lamaiz, it doesn't talk too much Hashkafa. But the Mechaber in Simon Aleph, Siv Beis and Gimel, Mashkim Leschanel of Neibar, Yechav and Lashos, Restanis and Mishmar, Shem Bishlish Alayla, Seif, Shnei Shlishi Alayla, okay, so we're not often not up then. Shatibli is Baal Beis and Shos, Al Khurban Baal Golis Ritsuya. And in Gimel he says, Roy Lachol Yeresha Mayim. This is a machaber that talks to us about its instructions for all year round. This has nothing to do with Tisha B'Av per se. That is a chiyah for every yid who considers themselves a Yerushamayim. Okay, so we don't consider ourselves Lamed Vobniks, but we'd like to be in the category of Yerushamayim. That's a mandate for every day and every evening. And Chazal put in Shmon they put in Shmon they put in benching. We're so used to it, we almost don't see the words. B'nai Yishalayim is a major theme in uh, Rachem. No, this, is, this is half of our benching. It's half of our davening. So, one of the mandates we have to take uh, Tisha B'Av to the rest of the year is understand in a kindle like this, that Yidah Levi only understood this on Tisha B'Av as he lived this all year round. And this has nothing to do with uh, any political movements, nothing to do with Zionism, nothing to do with any other ism, uh, except for Judaism. Uh, Yiddishkeit, for the last 2,000 years, has only survived because we understand that we're in the wrong place. It survived because of Torah mitzvahs, but Torah mitzvahs are hollow if we think that we've made it and we're finished and we belong here and we can just annex New York to Eretz Yisrael and just stay by the Gula Shlema. To peace of Yeshua is such a major theme that when a person gets to Elam Haba, Achamei of Esrim, they can ask you millions of questions. They're going to start the videotape from Bar Mitzvah, Bas Mitzvah on and go straight. But before they get to the videotape, before they start asking all the details, the Gemara says there are only three or four questions they ask. And one of them is the peace of the Yeshua. It's pretty frightening. Out of all the main things he has, all the entire avoid, okay, so Talmud Torah is there, first or second, Shaila, how you learn it. Doing business honestly is first or second, it's tied in with Talmud Torah. If you're doing business dishonestly, you shouldn't have been at work, that's Bittal Torah. So those are the first two. And then, did you want to continue, Klai Yisrael, Saktev, and Sipisli Yeshua. That's pretty, for the top three, top four, that's pretty amazing. We put it out, yeah, I do my Vaida and I also uh, think about Yushalayim on Tisha B'av. It's not a Tisha B'av din, it's a din all year round. So to capitalize, and Levi is asking Tzian to defend us, to capitalize on that, we have to be thinking about Tzian, not just on Tisha B'av, but all year round as well. Mem Aleph. Mem Aleph is the... Um, Kinnah that was written by the Marami Rutenberg after the burning of the Svarim and the Sifrei Torah in France. Uh, there were those at the time who felt, although you can never be sure, those that felt that this was a uh, punishment for those that were burning the Svarim of the Rambam. Uh, I'm not going to comment on that because uh, there were big people on both sides of that controversy. But um, 
First of all, I think history has certainly vindicated the Rambam as in the Gedalia Rishayinim. And the problem is they weren't only burning the Murn of Vuchim that Atainan, they ended up burning the Yad Chazaka, which uh, by, uh, I think, anybody's measure went too far. And uh, the problem, the danger in Kanais, Kanais is a thing that uh, you need in Klai Yisrael. Pinchas was a Kanai, did very well, saved Klai Yisrael. And you need an element of Kanais, but you've got to make sure, A, you're right on the issue, and B, you're the Shem Shemayim. Both of which are quite difficult. The first one's difficult, uh, being right on the issues, everybody always thinks they're right. You have to check with Das Terah to find out that this is something you should be a Kanai about. And uh, those that were doing it, I'm sure, felt they were right, and uh, could be a Gosh Baruch who uh, disagreed and sent a very strong message. The, um, the ironic in the Bayashani, there were groups in Yushalayim, uh, they were called the Zealots, which is the English translation of Kanaim. Unfortunately, they were the group that were uh, not uh, very firm at all, were not listening to Das Tehra. Rabbi Yechem and Zakai told them to stop it and to lay down their arms, and they said, absolutely not, and they confused Yiddishkeit with nationalism and uh, brought about the Churban. Rabbi Yechem and Zakai uh, had no power, um, even though he was the undisputed leader, and uh, he had to get himself smuggled out of the city in a coffin just to get away from them to be able to talk to the, uh, to the Romans. And um, these Kanaim held sway and uh, destroyed the city and uh, killed many Yidin in the process. And uh, if you'd ask them, they said, what do you mean? We're the Kanaim. We're the one defending Jewish honor. So Jewish honor is very important. You've got to be on the right side of the issue and you have to be listening to leadership when you're doing that. Elio uh, Lapian has a very interesting insight. He says, you look at Ashrei, which is one of the central tefillahs that we have. So we say it three times a day. David Melch describes the Midas of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in great detail. Chanan Racham Hashem, Kerech HaPayim, Dol Chased, Taiva Hashem Lakol, Racham Avokal Maisav. Talks about Rachum, Chanan, Samech Hashem Lakol, Neiflim, Zalkev Lakol, Kfufim, Pasech Hasyadecha, Matzbi Lakol, Chayrat Sain, Karev Hashem Lakol, Karev Lakol, Shegu Bemes. After describing all these midas of Rachmanus and, and help to be Gethmagash Baruch Hu, only at the very end of Ashrei do we mention the important midah of Kanus, Shemer Hashem es kol ha'avav yashmid. Only talks about the destruction of Rishayim after the midas of Rachmanum, Rachum v'chanun. And this is supposed to teach us, Rabbi Leo Lapian says, that uh, there's a time for destroying Rishayim, and there's a dis- time for teaching people a lesson, there's a time for Kanah, there's a time, even a time for Kas, there's a time for Musr. That's after you've internalized the Rachum, the Chanon, and the Midas of Chesed. Until such time that you're through and through an Ish Chesed, you can't really go near Kanah and be sure that you're doing it 100% L'Shem Shemaim.